0: awe is not understood through intellect so not our thinking mind but it's felt through an emotion and it's an emotion that allows the ego to go away it kind of changes the way our brain works
1: it creates a little bit of perspective that takes us our way from me focused to realizing that the world is a big beautiful place but also that we aren't so important on it
0: What's going on, my man? Another Wednesday, another episode of the Growth Equation Podcast. I am doing well, Steve. I am back out on the porch looking at the beautiful trees, experiencing some awe at the cloudless day here in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. How are you? I'm doing great. And you know what makes today and this
1: podcast really special? You don't have to listen to us pitch, you know, the crazy supplement, the special secret sauce. Don't forget the the mattress. Have the mattress,
0: the, the mattress, the greens that you put into your drink. Don't forget those greens. That's right. None of that. You don't have to hear us pitch anything
1: except for what we do, which is we write books. We have two recent ones, Do Hard Things by myself and The Practice of Groundedness by Brad. And then we also have our Patreon community, which allows you to interact more with us. We have a monthly book club. We have a quarterly mastermind group. There's all sorts of other goodies that come with it. So if that interests you, head on over to patreon.com slash the growth equation or check out our books wherever you buy your, your books at
0: or listen to them. You're listening to us right now. Books are also on Audible, El Libro, and um, Google Books, Apple Books. They're all over the place. All right. So I mentioned that I'm on my back porch, and I'm looking at the blue sky, and there are these beautiful big trees. And um, sometimes when I'm not talking into the microphone like I am right now, I just allow myself to zone out and experience some awe looking up at all of the trees, the overstory, and the sky. And I feel less anxious when I do that, I really do. And today we are going to talk about how and why the experience of awe reduces anxiety. So I wanna start with a quote from the artist Marcel Ducamp. And Marcel says, art cannot be understood through the intellect, but is felt through an emotion present. It can be like something in a religious faith or sexual attraction. It is an aesthetic echo. The quote unquote victim of an aesthetic echo is in a position comparable to that of a man in love, of a believer who dismisses automatically his demanding ego and, helpless, submits to a pleasurable and mysterious constraint. When touched by the aesthetic revelation, the same man, in an almost ecstatic mood, becomes receptive and humble. There is so much to unpack in that quote on awe. So, let's start with the fact that awe, as DuCamp rightly points out, is not understood through intellect, so not our thinking mind, but it's felt through an emotion and it's an emotion that allows the ego to go away. Steve, you know the science. Why is this so important for reducing anxiety? Great question there, Brad. So there's a couple different
1: things that, that awe does um, and reducing our ego and getting it out of the way does is essentially what it does is it it expands our perspective and shifts us from the narrow to the broad. So there's actually some fascinating work that just came out this past year, I believe, that shows that awe expands our sense of time and al- almost makes it go by a little bit slower, right? So it changes our perception of how We're occupying our time on the the world. And what research also shows is that whenever we have that time expanding, that broad view, it takes us out of stress and anxiety mode, which is often constrictive and narrowing. Because anxiety causes us to just get focused on the thing that's causing the anxiety or to ruminate on the thing that is causing the stress and we get narrowed and locked in on it. Awe is like the counter to that. Um, which I think is fascinating. So it, it kind of changes the way our brain works. The other thing that it really does um, well is it, it creates a little bit of perspective that takes us away from, again, me-focused to realizing that the world is a big, beautiful place that contains a lot of nature and space, but also that we aren't so important on it like there's a lot more to it and this is actually you know where some of the original research came which is when they found um that when astronauts went off into space and they looked down looked back at earth and saw that marvelous blue you know dot and said oh my gosh like the world is so much bigger than and our problems aren't you know, our minor squabbles aren't that big of a deal. And it creates this, again, oneness, this sense of connection and community uh, that transcends kind of the individual egocentric ideas that we experience.
0: Yeah, they call that orbital perspective is the word that, um, that scientists use for that. And uh, talk about like the most zoomed out, expansive perspective is looking at the Earth from outer space. But we get that on a much smaller scale When we are on a hike in nature or when we're looking at a sunrise or sunset or even just laying on the grass and staring at the clouds, it helps your sense of self realize that it's actually not the be-all and end-all of anything. It's this small thing in this vast universe. And on the one hand, that can be kind of terrifying, but it's so much more empowering and liberating because... When you're not caught up in the small self, you're not so anxious because so much of anxiety is related to worrying about ourself. What's going to happen to us in the future? What's going to happen to the people that we love? Again, back to us, our sense of connection in the future. And um, researchers call this the default mode network or the part of the brain that gets caught up in self-referential thinking, thinking about ourselves. And when we're experiencing awe, the theory is that activity in this part of our brain kind of subsides. And this has now been proven by fMRI technologies. Meditators also have this when they experience the sensation of oneness. Now, we've talked about awe in terms of nature and art, but there's other ways to experience awe too. And one that I think is wonderful is just watching somebody completely in the zone perform at their best. So watching like Messi play soccer or Serena Williams dominate tennis, or Katie Ledecky just destroy the field in swimming, or LeBron James take over a basketball game, those can be awesome experiences too.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I think often when when people hear this research on awe, they think like, oh, I have to go to the Grand Canyon or mountains or something like that blows me away. And that's not the case, right? You can find awe in simple moments. In fact, there was a study again done last year that found that, for as little as 15 to 30 seconds, three to five times uh, a week. If you just focused on something that made you, f- that something that you appreciate, you value, or gave you the sense of awe or that you felt was amazing, which could be. You know, a sports highlight of some doing, someone doing something incredible, a Simone Biles gymnastics routine, whatever it is, Elliot Kipchoge floating through the air and flying at sub-two-hour marathon pace. It's it's very awe-inspiring. If you just did that, it helps not only with well-being, but researchers found that it can help if you suffer from, like, chronic pain disorders as well. So there's a lot of benefit for something that is, again, very short, very simple, and very easy to
0: do. Yeah, there's even some research that, um, it's research, so in, in the methods of the study, our sounds, we talked about it in our first book, Peak Performance, it shows that even just staring at like a image of nature, so a screensaver of nature, helps decrease cortisol, dial down the stress and anxiety that you're feeling, um, I don't doubt that that's not true, but I think that obviously actually getting out in nature or disconnecting from the space that you're otherwise stressed out in can go even further in helping. And um, another study that I really like that speaks to the effect of awe involved um, some folks down in Northern California who worked with researchers at Stanford, and they had these people go on 90-minute walks, and then they... Asked them to self report their levels of anxiety and then also looked at the anxiety centers in their brains. And what they found is that the exercise helped everybody, no doubt, but the group that walked along the highway had a significantly less intense response to those that walked in nature, meaning they both felt less anxious and they both showed diminished activity in the parts of their brain that deal with anxiety. But those in nature had a far greater response. And I thought this was a clever study design because it teased out the, um, the difference between just walking and being in nature. Now, we know there's other studies from Stanford that show that walking around a lake is so much better than being pushed in a wheelchair around a lake for anxiety. Um, Now, to be clear, this isn't to say that if you're unable to walk, there aren't benefits. That was just how they designed the study to account for nature. So we can split hairs and say what's better, movement or nature. But at the end of the day, they're both really good. And the more that you can get both, the better.
1: And, you know, the thing that I'd add is we often think about this in terms of nature, which is true. But as you said, in sport, things like art can do the same thing for some people, or, you know, there was a, a study again, I think it was in 2021 that took people up a high building in the middle of the city and you, uh, you're at the top of the building and you're looking out into the vastness of, again, not nature, man-made stuff, but it kind of gives you this appreciation for like, wow, look at all these crazy buildings that we all created and developed and built at some time in the distant past. And it creates that kind of vastness feeling um which you often don't get so it's not only about natural things it's about again things that shift your perspective and maybe f- make you feel uh, a little of that vastness and connected and part of something that is bigger than just you know your your day-to-day life that you're experiencing
0: yeah i think it's i want to end on one point that has been a really helpful way for me to think about it and there's two kinds of ego or at least two definitions of ego. The first is, look how great I am. That leads to all kinds of anxiety because now you're carrying around the weight of needing to be great on your shoulders. Shedding that weight is so important. But even once you shed that weight, there's the second kind of ego, which is rooted in the development of psychology, and that is simply I am, a sense of I. And as we alluded to, that can cause anxiety too. And awe works on both of these things. It helps you realize that whatever you're pursuing, whatever you're thinking that you're going to be the greatest at, guess what? It's not like more vast than the earth. It's not, not more uh, important than like the sunset. I shouldn't say important, but when you watch the sunset, it, it shrinks whatever you're going after. But it also helps you shrink your sense of self. And I can't help but wonder and I'm shooting from the hip here. A couple of weeks ago, we did a podcast on narcissism, and we talked a lot about Elon Musk. And maybe the opposite of humility is like being obsessed with the fact that you're going to be the person to go to Mars. And if you're the person that goes to Mars and you think you can do that, then maybe no amount of like awe or orbital perspective will ever humble you. And if you listen to that podcast, I want to be clear. It's very values neutral because we need people like that that think that we're going to go to Mars. Whether Elon Musk is the best person or not, listen to the podcast. I'm not the judge of that. You be the judge of that for yourself. But I do think that it's interesting that perhaps like narcissism and ego attachment expand with the like vastness of what you're telling yourself you're going to accomplish. And I wonder if a part of that is because it diminishes the effect that awe can have on you. Because if you truly think you're going to Mars, well, screw the orbital perspective. I'm going to go to Mars, which is much different than like, I want my book to be a bestseller, which is very much here grounded on Earth. And, you know, being in nature blows that away.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a good perspective and probably true is often when we see studies on awe, we think like, oh, it affects us all the same way. But it really depends on the other side of that coin is like, where is your ego orientation? And for some of us, you know, our ego orientation, like awe or that perspective, isn't going to provide the same kind of, you know, perspective, vastness, oneness that others might experience. Although, who knows? Maybe on Musk's, you know, first attempt to, to go to Mars when he gets up there, he'll have an aha moment and a revelation on, on what's truly important
0: dude's trying to populate the earth with his progeny and then also go to Mars. So it's probably very hard for him to um, to find something that is beyond that level of greatness. <laughs> We're just here trying to write a couple good sentences and make it through a podcast without swearing.
1: Brad struggles with that one a little more than I do. We're going to have to start going explicit. Uh, But anyways, the point is have things in your life, I think, where you can experience this feeling of awe Um, and it can be very small moments, but things that make us feel kind of alive. And the other thing that I would add maybe to conclude this one is also participate in experiences. Here I'm, I'm tied to, or I'm reminded of the late philosopher, mythologist, Joseph Campbell, who essentially said, you know, do things that make you feel alive. And that has probably similar benefits and to this experience of awe. And for Campbell, it was, you know, the example he gave was running at the pin relays. So, have some things that maybe create that vastness or connection to others because you feel alive and are pushed your boundaries a little bit.
0: Yeah. Campbell called it, um, in, in peak 70s speak, chasing your bliss. So chase your bliss. Just don't do it using, uh, prohibited substances. Isn't that sad though, that today, like that's the first thought that pops into a lot of people's mind is like, are you telling me to do heroin? Um, which like reminds me of something that our friend and, and the addiction researcher and psychiatrist Judd Brewer says is like, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. And um, I think that, that that's, there's so much wisdom in that. And it's a really wise theory, which is that like, perhaps part of the reason that we are struggling so much as a society with addiction to substances that make us feel this sense of awe and ecstasy, but at such great cost on the downside is because we're not experiencing these things in other areas of our life. And um, I think that the, the more that we can find awe in natural, wholesome ways, the more that we bolster ourselves to not need it in superficial ways. Love it. Spot on. So, you know,
1: maybe this podcast made you experience awe. Probably not. But if it did, you know what you can do is review it, share it. And, you know, that really helps us out. And if you're really enthusiastic and had a groundbreaking vastness perspective you know changing moment while listening to brad and i ramble on well the best way to support us is to check out our books do hard things and the practice of grandness or join the patreon community